please join me in the litany of invitation and confession found in your order of worship. We have been called away from that which is mundane. We have been called together to worship God. We bring our anxieties and fears and frustrations that distract us. We ask God to grace us by giving us the focus of hope. With longing hearts, we desire to experience God. With joyful songs and earnest prayers, we seek God. On this World Communion Sunday, we remember that we are part of the global body of Christ with brothers and sisters of different races, ethnicities, cultures, and languages. We confess that often we have lived smaller lives than God intended. May God forgive our myopic perspectives that are narrower than the grand inclusive love of God. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, we are forgiven. God is generous in love and full of grace. Let us live lives as large as the grace of God. Let, Let us lift our voices in praise to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. It's good to be together as God's people on this good day, and welcome as we all gather in this place. Uh, with, with, spring, with fall break on the way, some of our folk are already traveling, but you have traveled to be here, and as we are here together, we'll worship God. Especially those of you who are guests, welcome. We're glad that you are part of the service today. There is on the edge of your order of service a welcome card. And if you're a guest, if you would complete that and drop it in the offering plate, it'll help me connect name and face with you. And also, if there's a prayer request you have, any of you, place that on the card, drop it in the plate. And it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you every week by name and by need. Well, as we come to this place for worship, I often say that we are not sequestered from the world. Uh, it, the world has been an interesting place the last few weeks. And we're not sequestered from the tension and the pain uh, of the weeks, but we come to a sanctuary. The sanctuary is not sequestered from the wall world, but it's a sanctuary within the world where we gather for prayer and focusing on the love of God. So as we gather this week, we bring our tension, our pain, our hope, our grief, and we gather for worship. Part of what we gather in our gratitude and grief as we approach the table is to name that somebody's missing from us today. 
And that'd be Jerry Humphreys, who would sit, be sitting right there. And uh, she had a lot of practice at being human, 103 years. So, And so, as the Apostle Paul put it, absent from the body, but now present with the Lord. And so, for her life, we give thanks. As we gather around these texts, I'll be preaching from the second text that will be read, the Epistle Lesson. It has that beautiful line in it that references Jesus as the pioneer of our salvation, the trailblazer of salvation. And that uh, rough but romantic idea uh, just asks for a sermon. So as we tune our hearts, we also open our ears as we hear from the book. Welcome. A poem of praise to God and the unique place humans occupy in God's creation. A reading from a psalm. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Here ends the first lesson. And now let's say our prayers. Creator God, we marvel at the beauty and magnificence of your creation and realize that you paint our world with a large palette of vibrant color. You give us the beauty of the sun sinking into a bath of pink color at the close of the day, and you give the orange dawn awaking, awakening us to another. You give us the gray skies that burst open with rain to cool the earth, and you give us shimmering starry nights to remind us that your creation extends beyond the limits of our comprehension. For the privilege of enjoying your colorful world, we say thanks. But God, we also know that your palette of color extends beyond nature to your, your human creation. Since we were young, we have known that you love all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. You made humankind in your image with varied hues of skin, hair, and eyes, and yet all of them are precious in your eyes. Oh God, you certainly celebrate color. So on this World Communion Sunday, may we too celebrate color and variety. May we celebrate with Christians of many colors all over the world, who are gathered around a communion table today as one body, the body of Christ. 
And yet, while this table invites us to celebrate, this table also calls us to confession. Forgive us, O God, for the many times we fragment our unity. Forgive us for the many times we forget to celebrate our color and variety and instead respond in fear by turning blind eyes toward others, others with darker skin, others who live in distant lands, others who worship you differently, those who fly other flags, or those who live under different economic and political systems. O oh God, forgive the smallness of our vision and our colorblindness. O oh God, may today's common meal open our eyes and our minds that we may once again celebrate the color of the human fabric and your image seen in all people. May we know unity in the breaking of bread and in the sharing of the cup. Hear our prayers, for we pray these things in the name of Christ, who lived and died, that all people may be one. Amen. Jesus Christ is the revealer of God. A reading from the letters to the Hebrews. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir to all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels. But someone has testified somewhere, What are human beings that you are mindful of them, or mortals that you care for them? You have made them for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now, in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them, but we do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, shall make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. Here ends the second lesson. 
Children, if you would come forward and meet me at the front. And Pastor James will take your offering. It's good to be with you today. I brought a special thing with me today. You know what this is? It's a map. You're right. You want to see this map? Map of the world. You're right. Let's unfurl this map. Mary Frances, I'll give you that back. That belongs to you. I'm going to put this map down here. We're all going to look at it together. Today is a special day. Mary Frances, I ask you to come up here and help me kind of keep this in place. Today is World Communion Sunday. You all come around and kind of gather around this map, okay? Today is World Communion Sunday, and that means that Christians all around the entire world are pausing today to reflect upon our fellowship with each other. There are Christians all around the globe who are having communion today. And you know that Jesus gathered together his disciples when he knew he was going to die, and he had a meal with them, a very special meal, and he had some bread, and he had some wine, and he said, you will have these to remember me by. And so we remember Jesus, and God is with us when we have communion. All around the globe. Who can find Atlanta on the map? Oh, that's the compass, buddy. But that, if you just go over there where their fingers are, you found it. Yeah, Atlanta in North America. That's where we are. And Christians all around the United States today are celebrating communion. North America, South America, maybe some people in Brazil, uh, in Europe, Africa. Who can find Africa for me? Yeah, Asia. Where's Africa? No, that's Australia. Move your finger up to the left. There, there's Africa. And there's Asia, Christians all around the world in Asia. And then even down, this is going to blow everybody's mind, but I found this out last night. Pastor James, did you know... There are people maybe celebrating communion in Antarctica. Did you know that, congregation? I would think that's too cold to celebrate communion in Antarctica. But there are eight churches in Antarctica, way down where you have your fingers. Well, if, if the electricity goes out, they might be, you know. All the way down there, Antarctica. And I guess they've got to keep the bread so it doesn't freeze, Right. And wherever Christians are around the globe, God is with them. Not just in Atlanta, not just in the United States, not just in Asia, but in Europe, Africa, Australia, Antarctica, maybe on a boat somewhere in the ocean. God will always find you because God loves you. And that is what we celebrate today, our, our humanity with people all around the globe. And as we take the bread and we take the wine, we remember that the world is so much bigger than we are. And thanks be to God for that. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to help me sing a song. Who knows the song, Jesus Loves Me? You had your hand up before you even had the title, man. You're good. Give me five. <laughs> if I'd said Taylor Swift, would you have known that one? Okay. We're not going to sing Taylor Swift. We're going to sing Jesus Loves Me, okay? Now, I'm going to ask a favor. Mary Frances, can you help roll up the map? I'm going to stand up and get my hymnal. And you all are going to remain here. And here's what's going to happen. We are going to sing, you're going to help us sing, the first verse 
of Jesus loves me. Y'all can stand up right now, okay? Okay. It's in 470 of our hymnal, okay? And if you don't know it, you can just sort of move your your lips, but you'll know it pretty soon, okay? We're going to sing the first stanza together, and then I'm going to leave with you all and take you to aftercare if that's where you're going, okay? And the congregation, if you all could join us in singing that first stanza, we'll sing the first two stanzas in English, and then we'll we'll sing the third uh, stanza in English in the refrain, in Spanish. Got it? So first two verses completely in English, and when we get to the third, we'll sing the refrain in Spanish, okay? Melinda, could you give us a little introduction to Jesus Loves Me? Okay, ready? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. This The commonwealth of God belongs to those who are childlike. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to the disciples, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took the children up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, you see, you handled that foreign language pretty well. Um... 
I guess it could, we could add to the website that we speak in tongues at Northside Drive. I didn't introduce to you Melinda Clark. She is our interim organist, and this is her first Sunday with us, and we are so glad that you are part of the family these days. Thank you, Melinda. Well, on those rare occasions when I'm straightening my study at home, I always put a, a video on my computer playing in the background, and what I listen to is a Ken Burns documentary. It opens not with a speech, but with a song. It's that haunting melody of an American hymn tune. It's Beach Spring, you know? Bum, bum, pum, 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 pum. It's haunting and holy, and after that song is played, it's about that time that I start weeping. I'm just a sucker for a good story. And the story that follows starts in May of 1804, when Lewis and Clark, men of undaunted courage, as President Jefferson called them, said that they were out to explore the West. Now, of course, the real hero of that story was neither Lewis nor Clark, right? It was a woman. Had it not been for Sacagawea, the core of discovery would have been a caravan of disaster. She saved them more than one time, so thank God for her. But these men and this woman were pioneers. I love that word. There's a rugged romance and allure to it, I think even to our species, that the word pioneer means to be curious, to discover, to wonder, and to wander. And that's why my heart leapt when I saw this word years ago in the New Revised Standard Version that we read from uh, in, in here, when it referenced the one Jesus who is a pioneer. It was fitting that God, says the writer, that should make the pioneer of our salvation perfect through sufferings. Well, as I read the gospel stories and as I think about them, I think of Jesus exactly in that way. He was a pioneer. The world into which he walked was a place where religion and government leaders had colluded. The politics was de defensive, divisive, entrenched, and saturated with that ever-present need for power. In other words, very unlike today. But Jesus walked into that milieu which was stuck and he walked as a pioneer and brought a breath of fresh air in my opinion. First thing, Jesus was an ethnic pioneer. He crossed party lines. He welcomed Gentiles like the uh, uh, Syrophoenician woman. He welcomed Samaritans like the woman at the well, the Jews who were his disciples, and also the Romans like the centurion that came to him to get him to heal his son. It's a good reminder on this World Communion Sunday that since our tribe, the Baptists, have often been too insular and too narrow, that it's time that we practice a wider reach being cued by the arms of God. It may be good this week to go sit under a booth like in 
the Feast of Sukkot. I know that some of you, like Billy Davis, have been to one of those booths, that our Jewish friends have set up a booth, a tabernacle in their backyard, and there are certain rules of how you do that. Matter of fact, this past week, uh, Ruth Cremidgen and Ken Brandt and Daniel and I went down to Ahavath Akim Synagogue, sat in their Sukkot, and had a meal with them in our Baptist-Jewish dialogue. There are certain rules on how to do that, and one is that the roof has to be porous. That is, if you stay there, you can spend the night there, you can look up and see through it, the night stars, and also it is a required vulnerability. As we talked with Neil Sandler, the rabbi down there, he said that Not only do we need to be vulnerable, but it reminds us that we humans are that way all the time. It's just that our illusion of control covers that up. He said as part of the rule, not everybody does this, but to bring something valuable into the booth so that you risk losing it. In other words, it exposes our idolatry to stuff and to the illusion of security in our possessions. Sometimes it's good to get out of the building. Jesus was also a pioneer about gender. He welcomed women as disciples in a patriarchal-run culture. He was a pioneer for the voiceless. Children were to be seen and not heard, but he received them as we heard in the text today. He was a pioneer among the nobodies the marginalized, the poor, the powerless, and the sick who had no health care, that he crossed the line to heal them. So Jesus was a pioneer. Let's call him a Jewish Meriwether Lewis. And if he is a Jewish Meriwether Lewis, then we, the church, are the core of discovery. That we are the pioneers that accompany him. I think of us as a pioneering church, us as individuals, like what are the edges of your individual life that you are working on? Is it something about prayer? Is it something about struggling with something that you just can't let go and need to give it to God? Is it that you need to make friends across cultures, folk with a different siloed world than yours? Maybe you need to be a pioneer that comes to your own center, discovering in a loud, uncentered, trafficked world what is it that you hold as a core value. Not only each of us need to be a pioneer, but all of us as Northside Drive Baptist Church need to be so as well. I thought about the different styles of church that are out there. Some churches find joy in the gospel song tradition. Others love lofty anthems. Some live into progressive theology with aggressive social action. Some churches are made of Bible-loving believers. Others liberal, others conservative, others warm, friendly worship, others high church liturgical worship. All different kinds of churches, but there's a way, I think, that we should claim our pioneerness. We're all of that, right? I mean, that 
kind of sets us apart that all of the traditions that brought you like tributaries to this one river, we want to honor and encourage and welcome and affirm. Now, that is not a, a church growth strategy, if you haven't noticed. It would be better to reach people if we narrowed our silo, reaching only a certain kind of people. But the core value that Northside Drive has is to welcome and to affirm the Agnus Dei in all. With Jesus-like eclectic identity, we are frontier pioneers. In this narrow-gauge world, we want to be on the front line of the core of discovery. Jesus also was a salvation pioneer. And it says in the scriptures that he was through suffering. I wish that word didn't appear, but it's there. Among first century Judaism, a theology had arisen. It goes like this. Where the Messiah is, there is no suffering. Where the Messiah is, there is no suffering. But Jesus inverted that, taking his cue from Isaiah's suffering servant. Rather, for Jesus it was, wherever the Messiah is, there is suffering. Wherever there is suffering, there is the Messiah. In other words, that Jesus did not annul all suffering in the world, but wherever suffering is, that's where the Messiah is going to be. All eras have had their theology of success, including the biblical days too. All times have had churches that preach the prosperity gospel. But the writer of Hebrews spoke, I think, a truer truth. And that is that faith, faithfulness can bring hard times. Later in the letter to the Hebrews in chapter 11, he sings a song of the suffering saints. One after another, there's Abraham, there's Sarah. They headed off into a world in which they knew not. There were those who were persecuted, who were tortured, who died by the sword, who lived in caves and who lived lives that the world was not worthy to know. He sings a song of the suffering saints in chapter 11, but then by verse 12, or chapter 12, these who wandered and were tortured have become a part of our cloud of witnesses. I look and watch for them every Sunday, particularly on All Saints Sunday, which will be soon to come, the first Sunday in November. They have become our cloud of witnesses. And when I stand behind that table, I always watch when I say, joining our voices with all the company of heaven. When a few of us were in Ephesus years ago, and several of you have been there with where the world-class library of antiquity was, we were there in 2002 with World Pilgrims. I was sitting there in the Ephesus amphitheater, and Jimmy Allen was preaching. It was an interfaith group. A Jew was to my left, uh, a Muslim was to my right, and he was preaching to an interfaith group on the cross. And what he said to them, because he knows of loss as well, his son has died and the church shunned them because his son died of AIDS. This was back in the 80s. And he spoke with tears, as Jimmy Allen always speaks with tears. 
But he said the cross is in the heart of God that like a magnet draws all the suffering of the world into the life and heart of God. That God gets our suffering because God intimately knows suffering. I remember the Jewish educator sitting beside me said, I've never heard it explained like that. That the cross is the heart of God's own suffering. And it bound us together. We've all felt that suffering and pain this week from perspectives and anxieties that are different in our divided nation. And apparently we can't find that dance floor where hurt and hope can find the music with which to waltz. We bring that grief into our church, but we also bring the grief and the gratitude for our matriarch, Jerry Humphreys. This grief and this gratitude, the table knows already, knows all those griefs, knows all that gratitude, and calls us to keep on pioneering. Because some of you are like Lewis and Clark. Some of you are like Sacagawea. And all of us need to follow Jesus, who will keep calling us into the core of discovery, for he loves each of us and all of us. And that is a core value in our core of discovery. It's the greatest of all. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to discipleship is given. It's an opportunity to take a look at at what we are called to do and become that pioneer edge of our own discipleship. And as a church, to be on the dance floor of hurt and hope and healing. We sing a song about the table that unites us. Let's stand together and sing.
I didn't intend to make that silence so long, but we lived in it, didn't we? This is the time when we come together and share in our celebrations and concerns and announcements, and I'll bring a few of those to you uh, this morning. Uh, First, a reminder that Triple E will meet on Tuesday and will be uh, graced by Liz's presence, and I believe Rabbi Ellen will be with us to talk about their interfaith pilgrimage uh, experience in the Holy Land. So uh, if you haven't made plans already to join us for Triple E, we invite you. This week also, um, Pub Theology will be on Wednesday at 6.30 at Five Seasons Westside. If you don't know what that means, uh, talk to me afterwards. I'd be glad to give you some more information. Um, Many of our our members attend about once a month to Pub Theology. Uh, Will Bell, Allison Rowland, Johnny Elder, and others regularly come together to talk about faith and spirituality, rotating topics And it's not just a young adult thing. We want all people to come, so all are invited. We hope you can come with us. Now turning to our prayer concerns, our prayers around the globe. We looked at a globe earlier. Continue to be with those in Indonesia as the death toll rises, as reconstruction efforts take place, those who are are battling depression and their own private concerns, our prayers are with you. And with... Uh, several families in our church, uh, the Stouffer family. I visited with uh, Joel and his mother, Barbara, and uh, his father, John, this week. Uh, she is in hospice, so be praying for Joel and their family. You may have noticed that Mary Lou Swan was listed as the person doing the, the children's sermon this morning. Mary Lou's father was admitted to the ER a couple of nights ago, and uh, she is there attending to her family at this very hour. I don't have any new updates other than I think he's in a stable condition now. But be praying for Mary Lou as she makes that long journey uh, back and forth from North Carolina. And of course, our prayers are with the family and friends of of Jerry, Jerry Humphreys, who died on Friday. And LaDonna's with us this morning. LaDonna, we've been praying for you, too, all week. I know it's been a difficult, very difficult week for you. Jerry was 103 years old. And we won't forget, will we, uh, her outstretched arms, her joyful voice, uh, the embrace she'd give, and the love in her words and in her life. Visitation will be Tuesday evening at Patterson Spring Hill, Wednesday at 2.30, the funeral service here in our sanctuary. See me if you need more information. Let's continue our worship um, with the singing of Anima Christi. And this is a special uh, day because Grant Pfeiffer, who arranged the music for uh, this beautiful hymn, is here with us today. Grant, could you stand up just so we could see you, know who you are? Grant, welcome. It's always a delight to have you here. I believe you came during Lent when I first heard this, and I didn't know who you were until afterwards, and I was so moved by it moved today, and thank you. Welcome to be with us today. Make sure you say hi to him as we continue the giving, uh, our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings.
As we prepare to observe the service of Holy Communion, the liturgy is an insert in your order of worship. All people are invited to the Lord's table, for sometimes it is only when you discover that you are hungry that you are ready to eat. All are invited. There will be two places where you can come up the center aisle and receive on this side or receive on that side. We'll dip the bread in the cup and then eat it. The choir will come first and then the congregation. And also today we will be singing the Lord's Prayer. Some of you request each year that some of the times when we, we come to the Lord's Prayer that we don't just say it, we sing it. And that we will do and that insert is in your order of service. And so, the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right, and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you joining our voices with all the company of heaven, who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, and having given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, on this World Communion Sunday. We do so for this meal speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving. It recalls Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, and we celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church, that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples as we sing together. 
And now, the gifts of God for the people of God. All of God's people are welcome at this table. So take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised, and therefore let us come to the table in thanksgiving and hope. Amen.
And now let us stand for a prayer of thanksgiving. All loving God, we give thanks to you for having refreshed us at your table, for we have celebrated the presence of Christ among us. So deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. congregation, 
through the time of memory and gratitude and grief on Wednesday. And as I think about uh, Jerry, I think uh, Karen and Daniel and I all have a permanent mark on our stoles of her makeup. When she would hug us every week and say in a clear voice, I love you. So hear her voice. Embrace us all. And remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you. The comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you. And the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.